What up? This is Yinka Dev. Peace. This is Outlaw. Hey, listen to the 80s Babies podcast. And on today's episode, we have a tribute with the fourth studio album, Things Fall Apart by The Roots, released February 23rd, 1999. Yep. And when I suggested doing this album, you were curious if we were doing a tribute or make it a classic. And I know that in the past, I've wanted to do this album. You were never really all that excited about it. So what about this album aren't you like excited about, I guess? Yeah. I mean, this album is an album that I think I'm supposed to care about a lot more than I actually do. That's fair. Uh, firstly. Secondly, you know, I don't understand why this album absolutely has to be a tribute when albums like <laughs> B and Stillmatic have to be made a classic, right? So like, it's like... Got you. Cool. I mean, I, I I don't know. So I, I think I think I put the question back on you a little bit that it's like I'd be interested to hear like why this album, um, and then like you know like why like what about it I guess really resonated with you that you would like want to do a tribute for it. Oh well, first of all, before I get into what resonated with me, I think the reason mm -hmm. why this album is better than the other two that you stated. It's particularly, you uh -huh. said Stillmatic, right? I said being Stillmatic, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, we, we talked about this. I don't think Stillmatic is a very good album at all. I think it has some good songs and we don't have to relitigate that. We we talked about it on the episode when we did Stillmatic. Yeah. B, I, I totally get it. Um, I think the thing about an album like Things Fall Apart is for one, this is the album that really kind of pushed the roots into the limelight. Um, into like the yes. front stage, like it got everybody's Absolutely. attention. The other thing too is that I think there's something to, to be said for like the context of when something is released, right? So we kind of talked okay. about this when we were talking about like MC. So it's like, okay, fine. Yes, Kendrick Lamar is a better MC than Melly Mel. But in the context of when Melly Mel came out and the context of right. when Kendrick Lamar came out, like yep. you have to give props for the originators. And I think that in an album in the 90s, I know this came out in 1999, but it came out early in 1999, right? I think that when everything is either very sample heavy based or the producers are making beats on their computer, mm -hmm. to have a band making these hip hop records, which was something that, you know, unfortunately, black music had to move away from for a number of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they took art programs out of schools and this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. But like making music with, the, with, with like instruments at least in terms of like the, the hip hop fan base, isn't mm -hmm. something that's really like in our like scope. And I think that some of the music that they were making here, you know, you, you're on the, the the verve of like that that neo soul music, the, the, the soul querying sound, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that for this album to hit the way that it did, particularly with some of the hits that it had, and you have Black Thought that even though he's not really talking about much, is still killing it. Absolutely I think that in the context of, of this coming out in 1999 versus B coming out in 2006 and Stillmatic coming out in 2001 after Blueprint is like, yeah, I think there's kind of levels. Um, I, I think there's a fair argument for B, like you're saying. Uh, I'm not particularly mm -hmm. enthralled with anything that Common has to say on that record, with the exception mm -hmm. of the very first uh, track on that, which is, you know, it's a classic, right? But yeah. Whatever. I, I understand what you're saying. Nevertheless, though, I, I think I, the, the other thing, too, real quick, the other thing, too, is that I'd be curious how many people think that B is Common's best album, whereas mm. at least for a long time, Things Fall Apart was the consensus, like, Roots' yes. best album from, from people that That's I true. know. That's so, true. But you have a different thoughts on that. I know you like, um, is it uh, Falling Down? Yeah, like Rising oh, Down. That? Rising Down, Rising Down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, okay, I... I, I I feel you. I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. 
I think that part part of my comment of of the the why I view this album the way I do is is individual Yinka stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of it is I think maybe a comment about the roots and their their direction. So yeah. the first, you know, the Yinka part, you know, I'll talk about um, Unplugged. I remember when Jay-Z came out with the Unplugged album and people were really excited to hear mm. Jay-Z rap his bars over a band that we know playing <laughs> his music. I didn't give a fuck yeah. about that. I never listened to the album. I like Jaguar Wright, um, but in concept, it's fine. But like, I never was impressed by live instrumentation for the sake of live instrumentation. And gotcha. and I feel like, you know, I, while I give The Roots props for being a live band, um, I'm more impressed by a live band in a live setting than I am by a live band in a studio setting. And so typically, gotcha. you know, Yinka as consumer, I don't buy live albums. Um, and I would say with the exception of, you know, two records, one, Reasons by Earth, Wind & Fire, and two, Before I Let Go uh, by Frankie Beverly and Maze, I can't think of many examples where I'm super excited about uh, a recorded version of a live thing. Like, like I'd rather hear the studio produced version of something. Um, and that's just me as a consumer. Okay, well, that, yeah, and you know, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I also don't think I love Tyrone as much as you do as a. That's fair. So, um, but, but it's a but good for, point, though. It's a, your point's acknowledged. Yeah. Sure. So that's 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 me, Yinka, as a consumer. Now, back to what we're talking about when we talk about Stillmatic and B and like Water for Chocolate is probably actually a better example. But um, mm-hmm. I don't think that what Black Thought is doing here is very transcendent in terms of as an MC. Um, I don't think that he's created much for me to connect with as a mm-hmm. as a listener. And so, you know, the difference between Like Water for Chocolate and this album to me is that on Like Water for Chocolate, Common created a world where I understood what he wanted me to take away from his album and, you know, where he was trying to go. Um, okay. I, I think things fall apart uh you know, and and I, I guess I'm I'm kind of getting into a low light a little bit, so maybe I'm skipping ahead a bit. But you know, like water, or I mean, uh, things fall apart is kind. It kind of gives me two concepts that exist in in space somewhere. So mm-hmm. you know, typically I think when you have an album like this, it's set either um, grounded in reality. Um, we're the roots. We're from Philly, and so it's like okay, cool. You're from Philly. Tell me about about Philly and how you interact with Philly. So, you know, it might be um, Philly is a really rough city. However, you know, we're kind of nerdy, earthy cats. So we don't really interact so much with that with that piece of it. We interact with the the bohemian flea market side of Philly. Cool. Mm -hmm. I get that. Or maybe it's shit. We out here busting our gun. Philly is real. Like, okay, cool. Uh, But but they, they do neither of those. Fine. Okay. The, the the second is is create a fantastic world that that the group exists in, and then tell me about the fantastic world. So I'll give you an mm-hmm. a, an example of a good a good version of that, right? Um, the alcoholics. So yeah. the alcoholics, we know we know they're from L.A., but like they're not they're not you know oh it's get it's gangs out here it's crazy they're not it's Hollywood we're trying to get involved in Hollywood they're you know 
the world is one giant frat party and we are the most interesting guys at the frat party. If there's somebody that's that's drinking from the keg, it's us. There's somebody yeah. doing a keg stand, it's us. Like we're these wild, funny guys who also happen to rap. Cool. You've yeah. created a world that's your version of LA and you, and I know how you exist in it. Another good example of that would be someone like Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang did yeah. a great job of creating right, these right. atmospheres and these worlds. Exactly, right? So it's like, it's like while they're from Staten Island, I almost don't have to really know anything about Staten Island because they've created their own Staten Island almost, Shaolin. And, and they're, they're set inside this world and I'm sucked into the, this world. The Roots do neither of these well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And right. so as a result of that, we know that they're from Philly. We hear, yeah, I'm from Philly here and there. We hear that they hate Wackham C's. Cool. But other than the fact that they're from Philly and they hate Wackham C's, I don't know shit about these niggas. And I listen to fucking yeah. an hour and a half of music where I know, like, like there's really like maybe one song, You Got Me, where I'm like, oh, okay, um, th he dated somebody and this is his situation. Other than that, the niggas just hate whack MCs for an hour and a half, and I'm supposed to be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Like, I don't know. So that—that's, uh, to be honest with you, how I really feel about this album. Got you. All right. Well, yeah. why don't we get into the where were you? And I want you to start um, okay. because the where were you for me? I think is relevant as to one of the reasons why I rate this album so highly. Got so, you. But that's, why don't you start it off? That's fair. So, man, 99. I would have been I would have been at uh Oakton at the time, I want to say. Um so high school, Virginia, um really interested in, you know, underground hip hop. So so to be honest with you like so I bought this album um and it was fine. Um I, I probably bought this album around the time of buying a lot of albums. I do remember having like Water for Chocolate. I do remember um, having Supreme Clientele. I do. I remember some other albums in this in this time frame that I had, and I remember all of them a lot more than I remember this album. Um, I remember having this on CD, and I remember I listened to the Next Movement a lot. I listened to Adrenaline a lot, and I was really impressed by the Beanie Siegel feature. I listened to Double Trouble. Yeah, like I probably listened to like three songs on this joint and then just took it out gotcha. the CD like changer most times. I, you know, it, this album wasn't something that like individually resonated with me, but at the same time, mm. it was almost like because of where I considered myself, where I sat, I had to buy it. And then I did. And I was like, okay, cool. I have it. But like, it, you know, it wasn't a standout album for me personally. So that's where I was. Where gotcha. were you? So 1999, I think at this point, this is the winter of 99, February. Um, mm -hmm. As much as I enjoy like the rocket sound, and that is the sound that I'm discovering, I'm still heavily entrenched into Wu-Tang. Like, I'm not even sure if at this point right. I was a really big Biggie fan. In fact, I probably didn't become a really big Biggie fan until the latter stages of 99 or possibly even like the year 2000. So I'm still really right. entrenched into Wu-Tang, but I've also just recently discovered like Black Star and that kind of sound. And the thing is like, I'm writing at this point. So when I'm writing, you know, we talked about this before, how like we're battling to nobody in particular, right? Mm -hmm. And my brother who had a lot of these hip hop albums and will play a lot of things, he's like, yo, like listen to this song, listen to this album, like, it's really really cool and it comes on and it's like the uh 
the first uh the first two tracks like the act act one uh -huh. um table of contents right yeah yeah and like hearing that beat and hearing black thought just like rip it it's like wow like i understand he's not really talking about anything but if we're talking about like being transcended on the mic like and there was a whole sector of like underground mcs real hip-hop heads who were just like rapping and in my opinion Black Thought did that kind of rap better than anybody. Like, better than anybody I had ever heard. Better than anybody I'd heard online. Really? Better than, like, he was doing it. Like, I understand, like, cannabis, like, has, like, these bars. I got that, right? Because obviously, like, cannabis was dope. But just, like, flow-wise and just, like, energy-wise and voice-wise, like, Black Thought was just so seamless. And then some of the mm -hmm. beats that they had on here, like, I liked that jazzy sound. And okay. so it just kind of resonated with me. Um, there's a lot of songs on here that I like. There's a few that I don't. And the thing is, it wasn't even until like years later, because this is an album that I constantly went back to revisit because I just enjoyed it so much. It wasn't until mm -hmm. years later when I really was like, yo, he's not really talking about a damn thing on this about album. Shit. Right? Which is a oh constant. We've we mentioned that on this podcast a lot. He's really yeah. not talking about a goddamn thing on this album. Yeah. Um, but it... It, it almost like doesn't really matter like I because it's just I don't know it just sounded so good to me most of this album so that's okay. that's pretty much where I where I was musically at least do you do you feel like you know we, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how music was like a part it kind of becomes a part of your identity right some folks will have an album and they'll have that album displayed in their in their house because yeah. they identify with it right um do you feel like this album kind of attached to your identity at that time or 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 does, you know, kind of currently? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can say that with complete confidence because as much as I love this album and I do think it's a classic and I do think it's worthy of a tribute, mm -hmm. I am also completely honest about like some of its shortcomings, right? Yeah. Like I am willing, completely willing to bust the balls of this album and make fun <laughs> of it for having very little subject matter. Like, yeah. it's funny to me, but I don't care because I still love it so much. Right, right. So, That's what's up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So did you want to uh, talk about the critical reception? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. And I think yeah. that the, the critical reception of this album, at least when looking on the Wikipedia, was was very good. Was it not? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, pretty stellar marks across the board. Um yeah, mm -hmm. I think typically fours out of fives, eights out of tens. It's, there's a nine point four out of ten on Pitchfork. Yeah, um, and then this the album also made you know multiple kind of best albums, greatest albums uh, mm -hmm. lists as well. Yeah, I think the critical reception is uh, w was pretty good. Um, all music critic Steve Huey hailed "Things Fall Apart" as one of the cornerstone albums of alternative rap believing that it was the point where the Roots' tremendous potential finally coalesced with, into a structured album that maintained its focus from top to bottom. Um, and okay. then, uh, so th this is from the wiki. So we're getting, I'm just getting all this from the wiki. Yeah. But then yeah. our dear friend Panama Jackson actually is quoted in the wiki, right? He's cited in the wiki, what? right? So right, yes, he is. Panama Jackson is in there. He's on the wiki. In the critical reception, when you go through there, he's on there, right? Uh -huh. So writing for The Root in Yo, 2018, shout out to Panama. Panama. That's big shit. Yes. Uh, writing for The Root in 2018, Panama Jackson described Act 2, The Love of My Life, as one of the best beats in hip-hop history. 
is so ethereal and beautiful and fit perfectly with the verses. Um, so yeah, so he's on there. So shout him out, shout out to uh, to, to to P. Shout out for, to uh, Panama, for getting in the critical yo, That's reception. huge, yo. Yeah. That's huge. I yeah, like I thought about actually sending you that article. I'm surprised that uh, I thought that you would have uh, seen his name in there. Yeah, I didn't look so, yeah. at it, but I'm looking at it now. That's gotcha. crazy. Yeah, and you know, oftentimes when we do the critical reception, we also like to discuss like how our friends feel about this album, right? Like our, our peers, and mm -hmm. even if. Even if like not every Roots fit fan has this album as like their best Roots album, it's definitely like in their top like two or three. Oh, and yeah. oh yeah, that's saying something because the Roots have a lot of albums. Yeah, right. I think they have at least, including their live albums, they have like at least ten. I would think. I'm gonna keep it a thou um, out with you though. Part of that is people lost interest and stopped listening to Roots albums. So there's that's that fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um. So shoot, let's get into our uh, our our lowlights first cool did you want to start yeah. or did you want me to start why don't you start okay um so my my biggest low light is length um i think at, at this mm. point the album is just too long um my second is uh you know lack of engaging subject matter um yeah. i said yeah you hate whack mcs you have bars what else um and let me expound on that point right like yes please do you know i was thinking about like why this doesn't really connect with me like as an album uh you know very deeply where where albums like strong arm steady and west side connection which i, I know you're familiar with at least what west side connection yeah. do a bit more um and i think you know as i said earlier um it doesn't it fails to do kind of what i would say the two ways of really setting the stage to create an a group album that connects with folks um you know does so it, it doesn't to me it doesn't do a great job of grounding in reality and it doesn't do a great job of creating the world which i talked about earlier mm -hmm. um but i also don't think that like black thought as the as the lead narrator does enough to at least draw me into him as the as the lead character and so you know it, the the group doesn't necessarily draw me into their story and no individual draws me into their individual story either and I think that's where I just, you know, I just don't really engage. So I don't know if I you had you. comments on that before I move well, on. Well, I, look, we, we've talked about this before. We even already mentioned it on this podcast, this episode, that yeah. this album has a lack of subject matter, which is yeah. really unfortunate because the songs don't really tie into what you would expect the theme of the album to be, the packaging right. of the album, which is the packaging is one of my highlights and we'll expand that yes. expand expand on that later. Yes. But the the songs don't really go into that. And I yeah. think that when you talk about the grounding of the album, it's a very good point. Because on other albums they do do that. Like um Do You Want More definitely puts us into the mind frame of like the roots itself. Like just creating this like kind of like jazzy landscape for them and just like who we are and right. what we love. Like they have a song called like It's a Lazy Afternoon, which is okay. Like I feel you. It's just like, you, you know, day in the life of, of Tariq Trotter and it's just a lazy afternoon. And it's just like it's just a cool song. Like right. that puts you in the mind frame of the roots. I think that something like Illadelph Half-Life puts you into that mindset of like what Philly is like for them. Mm -hmm. And all of the mentions of Philly on this album kind of sound like it's an inside joke or it's like it's an mm -hmm. inside thing. Like you have to be, yeah. you have to be from Philly. You have to be from their neighborhood to know what they're talking about. The rest of us just hear like mm -hmm. Philadelphia, like 
all right, cool. Yeah. What else is there? What 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 else is there? But, but um, yo, so, I don't so even, I, I agree I with you though. Yeah, I don't even know though that I agree with with that point, and I agree with everything else that okay. you said. But even the inside joke piece, right? Like, so for example, when I listen to Wu Tang, right? Um, mm. they they say things like so and the one yeah. six ooh and all this shit, right? And it's like, yeah. I, like I've listened to them for so long that I understand what they're saying, but gotcha. but initially. I knew that they were speaking a language of their Staten Island neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And and it, it sounded cool enough that I was like, oh wow, like they're they're linked into their neighborhood. When I hear these niggas talk about Philly, like I like I'm I'm not I don't I don't hear it like, oh, like these yeah. these are like th- they must be speaking slang like that dudes from Philly know or talking about locations that dudes from Philly know. Okay. It just sounds like they just pay lip service to like we're from Philly, and then they go, like, go. It's like I guess. Yeah, I don't. Know. I got you. No, yeah. I. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm being even too generous. Um, but I do <laughs> feel though. I do feel that at least on Philadelphia Half Life, yeah, uh, yeah, they speak yeah. much more about Philadelphia, and then on Do You Want More, it's much more just about the roots. About that. Whereas yeah. on here, it's it's not really much about anything. Like there's, it's here like little bits and pieces, but it's not really much about anything, and it can make it difficult to connect with the album. Um, but there's so many other things about it that I do enjoy that I, I still just enjoy this album. Um, but I have more lowlights though. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So one of my other lowlights is Common. And <laughs> yo, I Common agree. is like, he's like a pervert. You know what I mean? Like his verse on here, like I like I under, like on, on one hand, I respect his verse on, uh-huh. you know, act two. I respect it because there are like a lot of like hip hop references in the verse itself. Like, so I get that. Yeah. But like, he also, like the way that he equates hip hop to a woman and then the things he's talking about that are done to the woman, it's almost like he gets off on seeing like women abused and like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. It's yeah. weird, bro. Like when I was, when I was, when I was younger, I didn't notice these things, right? Because I'm not <laughs> thinking about the world like as a mature adult. And then yeah. like go back and I hear this verse and I hear other common verses and it's like, yeah. yo, like low key, I, I think you have a problem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. So common common is a low light for me on here. I agree with you. Um, I felt like though, maybe it was just like, you know how it, this happens to me at work a lot, right? Like folks, yeah. someone will will create like a, like a parallel or like a metaphor or something. And then people mm-hmm. will keep trying to extend the metaphor. And they'll run out of yeah. things to say, and then and then it just becomes laughable, right? Like like it's like yeah. like okay, like you're now you're just saying anything to like keep the metaphor going, right? Yeah. Like I almost felt that way. Like I felt like okay, we got. I used to love her, cool. And then it's like there's other songs that like Commons like been asked to extend the metaphor of like I used to love her, and he's running out of things to say, and so he's just fucking saying anything and it's just like yeah. like I, I don't know why this song was created and I was gonna wait till we went track for track but like <laughs> this song is so fucking annoying and corny to me but anyway wow okay that might be a salute me or shoot me but we'll, we'll yeah. get to that on the uh, when we get to track for track I mean we already know what Panama thinks of the record so yeah. you know clearly yeah. I, I might be in the in the minority there but um, the, my last low light is the low-key erasure of Malik B. And it's not that he's not featured on this album. He's actually featured on this album quite heavily. Right. My problem, though, is that if you talk about notable songs on this album, Mm -hmm. the only one 
Is he on Dundee? I think yeah. he might be on 100% Malik Dundee. Yeah, 100% right. Dundee. Yeah, he's on there. He's on yeah, like... He, which, which I think... He he rips Dundee, right? Yes. And he is on Adrenaline, but he's not the highlight of Adrenaline. Yeah. So when you think about songs like um, uh, The Next Movement or Dynamite or Double Trouble or mm-hmm. um, uh, was it Act Two or what's the other one? Um, the other one that Dice Raw is on. Step Into the Room. Um, no, not Step Into the Room. Uh, Ain't Saying Nothing New, right? Like when you think about like some notable songs on here, Malik B just like isn't featured. And it's just like you kind of have to get into the album and appreciate Malik B to get a sense of him. But it's like there's some songs like like Dynamite has uh he has a dude who's Dynamite? Um Dice? Dice what one? is it? Uh uh Rahani Saeed, right? Um, I'm sure Rahani Saeed is is a cool individual. I'm sure he's got a great re- relationship to the roots. I'm sure he deserves to be featured on this album. But like, why is he on that song? Why isn't Malik B? On that song, like it's, yeah. it's it's catered perfectly to his voice and to his flow, yeah. and to have a back and forth with Black Thought, and it's just like at yeah. the time I didn't really think about it, but then you know, learning more about the roots and learning more about Malik B, rest in peace, and all you know, all the the, the troubles that he had to deal with, yeah. you know, the fact he couldn't go on the road and all the other things, personal things going on in his life, which we don't necessarily have to discuss. It's just kind of like, right. damn, like I feel like he should have been a bigger part on the better songs on this album and he's not and it's just disappointing. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. I know, you know, outside of everything that that occurred, you know, I, even throughout this album they talked a lot about how like, you know, he, his substance abuse issues yeah. impacted how much he could appear and things like that. So mm-hmm. that might also have something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so now let's get into uh the highlights and uh what what do you got for us, Yinka? Word. Um, I got I got multiple highlights. So so after I I I completely bashed uh Black Thought as a main character, I'll say Black Thought. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. he he so so all right. Th- again, this is like this is like a group that and I've seen the roots live, they're amazing, right? Yeah. Um and as a front man of a hip hop band, Black Thought is everything that you want and more as that. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, when I li- when I listen to this in that context, Black Thought is great. Um, yeah. And, you know, I love him more live. But, you know, even in this context, Black Thought is great. Did you see the roots when they came to Charlottesville when we were in school? Yes. Do you remember when he spent, like, the first half of that show rapping to the band and had his back to the audience? Yep. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was crazy. I was like... Black Thought, why are you being a dickhead? But it's also like, I love you. I guess you could do whatever you want. But like, why are you being a dickhead? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, he, but he's, he's just so fantastic at that. I remember another yeah. thing I remember, because so that same year that, you know, I did, um, I did the, the, the Ludacris and Freeway show where I helped set up yeah. and then I watched it. And then I did the same thing with The Roots. So I was at that show as well. Um, but later that year, or maybe the next year, I went and saw, um, Saw him in Cali, or saw them in Cali. Um, yeah. I was back home for like a, a holiday or something like that, and and it might it might have been maybe around my fourth year or something. But I but I remember this is why I'm hot was the biggest song on the radio okay. and everywhere. Mims. So and uh, yeah, the Mims song. And at at some point, the band is is playing songs that are hot on the radio, like the beats to songs that are hot on the radio. 
And yeah. Black Thought is just fucking punishing all of them. He's just, mm -hmm. he's just, the, the beat just switches up and then he just, he's on the mic and he's just killing it. And I remember yeah. this is how Why I'm Hot comes on. And you can just see, you know, the, the, the beginning of the song just reverberating. And you can see the whole crowd just kind of looking around because it's like, you know, the Roots are an underground group. So they're kind of like, yeah. what, like, what, like, what's about to happen? And then when Black Thought starts rapping, the whole crowd just goes, <laughs> crazy <laughs> ballistic yeah but uh yeah so black thought man like you know yeah I, I i can't understate enough how good he is at this which is if mm. what you want is like you know because back in the days i would do shows with uh with with the beatniks and with some of these other groups that were created in the image really of like the roots right and mm -hmm. and you know do these live shows where you have a band or you have you know a dj and you have you know an MC that's just keeping the crowd going and interacting with folks and 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 really being what the definition of an MC is, right? Like shepherding along this program. And as orator, Black Thought is excellent. Yeah. So cool. That's my first one. Um, my second highlight is production. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think overall this production is great. Um, and I think maybe even a bit to the detriment of the program because I feel like on many occasions listening to this album, I would have preferred to hear D'Angelo over what I was hearing or Bilal over what I was hearing than Wackham C's, Wackham C's, Wackham C's, we're from Philly. You know, this album was recorded in Electric Ladyland Studios, by yep, the way. Yep, yep, at the same time, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I... I I'm hearing these and I'm I'm thinking like water for chocolate and I'm thinking voodoo and I'm going mm -hmm. man sometimes I wish that this production was was placed somewhere different gotcha but uh production as a highlight for sure uh, my next highlight is Scott Storch yes um yeah yes, I think Scott Storch really really did his thing um and I think the records that he's on like elevated you know Mm -hmm. Um, even, even you got me, you know, for, for what yeah. it is, like he, they, he really stuck his foot in there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next is Jay Dilla. Oh yes. Uh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Dynamite is, uh, yeah. it's so good. It's so, yeah. so good. And like, and, and I, I think, you know, for, in terms of, and, and I, I was going to get to this later, but in terms of how the album is paced and sequenced, the fact that you can stick a Jay Dilla production or a couple of Jay Dilla productions in the body of your album and it still flows, you know, because mm -hmm. for some folks, these Jay Dilla productions stand out like sore thumbs because they're so nice and rich and complex, but it just flows perfectly. So uh, Dilla, I got Rozelle as a, uh, oh, okay. as a, as a highlight. Um, I think in this time frame, I was a lot more impressed by beatboxing than I am now. But yeah. uh, but I, I I feel like I really appreciated beats with with beatboxing incorporated in them. Timbaland did it at times, and I really liked you know Rozelle on Dundee and the you know the joints that he he performed. Yeah. On. Um, okay, I got like two more. Features. Um, I think the features mm -hmm. brought it. They sounded like they belong there. Um, and specifically the ones that were uh, oriented around Philly, I think absolutely did help 100%. to create that that world that I'm saying we lacked. 
Um, and mm-hmm. so I respect that. that Seagull, Eve, you know, mm-hmm. Jill Scott on the original version, uh, you know. Yeah. So, but most Def brought it. Badu brought it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So everybody was, Absolutely. was good. Song structure or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, I think <laughs> I think the fact that they switched it up and there were certain places where, you know, like like they, they had like three verses and then there were other joints that kind of was like, just a verse and then instrumentation and it rides out and stuff like that kept it interesting. Okay. Um, the mixes, uh, you know, decidedly okay. earthy and analog feeling. I could tell, I could hear Russell Elevato all over these mixes. Like, you know, like, mm. like that, that electric lady land, that, uh, you know, that like water for chocolate and voodoo. Like I, I heard the mixes contextualized in the same way. Um, and then my last highlight, and it's probably leads into the track for track, so I won't I won't put extras on it. But I feel like the intro is great. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. those are my highlights. What I miss. So we have a lot of the similar highlights. Um, I said that uh, you know the key contributors, Scott Storch, D'Angelo was a key contributor on several of these songs, um, as well as James Poiser. We have to shout out James Poiser. Um, oh yeah, yeah, was, for sure, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the features, like you mentioned, Badu, Eve, Mostef, Siegel. And, uh, you know, I, I like Dice Raw. Uh, I like Dice Raw with the roots. So I thought he was good here. And as well as Jill Scott, the introduction to Jill Scott as a writer, um, as a songwriter, mm-hmm. was, uh, was was really powerful as well. That's true. I also agree with you. Black Thought, uh, to me, is a highlight. The production is, is a highlight as well. Um, the things that the big... I think the difference um, is that you said you did buy this album, right? Yeah, I did. So which album cover do you have? Ooh. Do you um, remember? I don't... The one that I, I always see whenever I, I Google this album. Hold on. Let me is go. the girl? Let me go on. The, the girl yeah, being Yeah, the, girl, the, the girl being chased. Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah so for cool. me, one of the biggest highlights of this album, and also kind of like a disappointment, but it's the biggest highlight is the packaging of this album. The packaging of this album is one of like the greatest hip-hop packagings of an album of all time. Right? Okay. Like... The fact that it's called Things Fall Apart. Um, and then, you know, the CD itself is like is like very plain looking. It almost looks like some like right. generic thing, but but, but it highlights the okay player. And then you have all these different covers. And so like there's five covers. Like the one I have is the one of like the the, the starving child in Somalia uh-huh. in, uh, in 1990, right? But then you have the, the most famous one is the one that you often see online where it's the woman being chased by two cops in Brooklyn, right. which apparently like that photo has actually kind of been lost. Like if not for if not for this album, that would be a lost photo. Like no one knows who took it or something. That may be mistaken, okay. but yeah, it's 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 weird. Um, there's okay. another one. There's a bomb church. There's an abandoned baby in Shanghai South Railway uh, railway station in 1937. Okay. And then the most interesting one which you're not likely to see is uh, like, like there's a mob boss who's been mutilated and he's like, I guess he's like dead or whatever, but he's holding like the ace of spades or something like that. Like, like okay. from a poker game. Okay. Um, that one you, you're not going to see too often. But okay. I think that when you combine like, when you combine like the packaging with the name of the album and the fact that like the band is called The Roots, mm-hmm. like I'm expecting all of that in this album and I'm not getting very much of any of that. Absolutely. Like, one of the biggest fucking lootly. Yeah. Completely agree. Never, nevertheless, though, nevertheless, though, the packaging of this album is, is still great. great. And yeah. the liner notes. Yeah. The liner notes. Have you ever gone so, through and read the liner notes? I probably did back then. But again, I didn't I, I didn't love this album. So I probably gotcha. did, also didn't care that much, to be honest with you. 
Um, uh, Amir is dropping some some nuggets, a lot of like nuggets on the in the liner notes. So, yeah, yeah. I think that on um, Questlove's podcast because he talks about this album and the making of it all the time. One of the things that he was saying though was that like <clears throat> he felt really snubbed by the rollout of the album. Because mm. he really, he feels the way you feel about the covers, right? Like, I guess they put, like, a lot of intention into the covers. And apparently each of the covers was, like, was a different release. So I, I guess the right. thought was, like, one of the covers was supposed to be for the edited version. And another cover was supposed to be for the international version. And another, like, oh. so, but then, like, the label didn't roll it out exactly as they had planned. So like I, I think their expectation was that like that the cover thing was gonna like resonate more because of how they strategized it, but then it didn't it didn't it wasn't executed how they wanted it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's that, that is cool. Um, I I I don't know that I've seen all the other um covers, but I think that that yeah. is a really really cool concept. Yeah. I mean, I remember I had the choice, and I went with I don't know why I went with the the, the hungry child. Um, <laughs> if I had to do it over again. If I had to do it again, for without a doubt, I would try to find the one with the mob boss and the Ace of, Ace of Spades card. Because um, it's rare. Because it's like a really... Well, yeah, it's rare. It's also just like just so different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I guess it's a little gruesome, but they're all gruesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, seeing a photo of a of a, a starving kid crying, like that's gruesome. Right, right, so, right. So, yep. Um, all right, so let's get into the, uh, the track for track analysis, yeah, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so... Act one, things fall apart. Um, yeah. This is one of my favorite intros of all time. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I think this is, this and, and Rising Down are my favorite Roots intros. Um, mm -hmm. But man, this is so, 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 so good. And honestly, yeah. it's so good that it might, it might explain my disdain for the album. Be yeah. Because, because it, it, it so well encapsulates everything that, w that I want the Roots to tell me. That mm -hmm. when when it it doesn't it doesn't it isn't fleshed out in the body of the album, it makes me feel very yeah. underwhelmed. Yeah, it's uh it's it's crazy because I, I first of all to to unpack this a little bit, you know, it's taken from the conversation, the argument, and from Mo Better Blues, right yep. between um, Bleak Gillum, who is Denzel's character, and Shadow Henderson, who's Wesley Snipes' character, right? And you know, Bleak is coming from the point of like, well, you know. Um, we go out to these shows and we see everybody except our people. This is our music. And Wesley Snipes is like, uh, well, that's bullshit. If you play the things that they like, the people will come. Simple as that, right? right? And it's just like, it's one of those things where it's actually hard to be on either one of their sides mm -hmm. because they're both kind of right and both right. kind of wrong. Right, I guess like, right, it's, right. it's like the problem, like that is the problem. Yep. Right. But like one way is not the right, like right. going going stepping left or stepping right is not going to solve oh, the, the problem. problem. Yep. Um, but it's, it's interesting to hear them talk about it from their perspective because the Roots, at least at that time, were notorious travelers, mm -hmm. right? Like they toured a lot. That's how they made their bread. Right. And this is what they would see. And like they go to all these places yep. and it's just like, where are our, our people? people? And then when you talk about all the different types of music, mm -hmm. that this is like blues, rock, like... Um, jazz, like where, where are all the black people? Like, why yeah. is it that we create something and it's great, and then everybody else loves it, and then we right. have to go on to something else, right? And the right. same thing is going to happen to hip hop, and it has happened to hip hop, yeah, right. And I think you know that to to expound on that, I feel like because uh, Questlove talks about this a lot, and apparently they had a manager who passed away, um, but mm. 
apparently he was having this conversation with them all the time. And so they he heard that and was like, oh my God, this is the, the fight that we're having, right? Because mm -hmm. it was like, you know, Quest and the band wanted to be these super esoteric, you know, we're out there, hippity hoppity guys. And, you know, their manager is like, at the end of the day, cool, you guys are really smart and heady and all that other shit. But like, we need to make some money at this. So mm -hmm. like, you know, just fucking play what people want to hear, right? right? And, um, and you know, they talk a lot about, I, I don't know if you know this, but like during the period of, of um, from organics, maybe to like Illidelf Half-Life, like that time frame, they end up like moving, maybe just before Illidelf Half-Life, they ended up moving to the UK because they mm. they couldn't they couldn't book any shows in in the states and they weren't really making a lot of money at music right and so the only place they were really able to book shows was in Europe so okay. so their manager basically moves them to the UK and they they get this apartment above um, a, a fish and chips shop in the UK <laughs> and so they're like they're there and but they're like they're they're living as like starving artists. And so I think this conversation is like them essentially trying to conceptualize what, how the roots are, like what their path forward is. Because as you're saying, they go to the to Europe and people love what they're doing in Europe, but then their people, the black American hip hop people that they want to be connected with, aren't appreciating mm -hmm. what appreciating what they're doing at yeah. all. And so it's like, do we lean into this super gangster, you know, thug thing that's popping over there, or like? Like, you know, wh where do we find who we are and what our identity is? So I think this yeah. this intro is, is is amazing. It's perfect for that. The other thing, too, is I, I love at the end the little snippet that they have where I still feel this today. And I've even mentioned this on the podcast where, like, sometimes hip hop isn't viewed as art. Yeah. And it's just kind of viewed as disposable. disposable art. And it's crazy because I definitely feel that way now due to just the volume yeah. of music from the same artist who often sound like each other, right? Right. So you have a lot of the people who sound the same, who give us a lot of music frequently. Yeah. For With me, I personally just think that that dilutes the airwaves and it makes your art disposable. Right. Um, but then to hear that back in, you know, the 90s, when I don't necessarily consider hip hop from the 90s as disposable, but that was something that was happening. That was a conversation at least that was happening then. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. So. Um, but then we get into like one of my favorite tracks ever. And really, yeah, I think this is my highlight of highlights. And that is the table of contents part one and part two. I enjoy part two, but particularly part one is like, wow, what what an intro into the roots into the and in, into black thought. And you have to understand with the exception of like, I shall proceed because that was a hit. I wasn't really familiar with the roots. So really, this is like the first time I'm ever oh, you got me was a hit on the radio. So mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. I remember you got me, right? Um, and that song actually is not what drew me to the album. My brother played it for me. And so this is like really kind of like my intro to the roots. And I was like, oh my God, okay. this song is amazing. This beat is amazing. The energy is amazing. Black thought, mm -hmm. I didn't know you could rap like this. What is going on? It's it's, <laughs> it's nuts. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I don't think that yeah. this song was such a, a big thing to me, honestly. Got you. Um, it just it just sounds like a guy freestyling. <laughs> um, Yo, but he, he just he rips uh, it to yeah. me though. Even though he like again he's not talking about anything, but it was just like the flow and like the timing of his of his raps and just yeah. Um, the, other, the other interesting thing too though is that um I was reading the liner notes and I heard like where they got the song idea from. It's by this okay. group called I think it's called the Alliance. And the song is called Kibbles and Bits. And of course, back in the day, I could never find this song. Now, because the internet is more mature and we have things like YouTube, mm-hmm. I've heard this song. And like the original song, the way that they took that original song and then repurposed it to make the version that they did is, is really, really cool. That's dope. So, I also yeah. read somewhere that um, that there were actually supposed to be four parts uh, of the song oh, really? rather than parts one and two. And um, that I like the remaining two parts were produced by Dilla. Um, mm. But then they like they truncated it, and that uh, uh, supposedly they're gonna put out some future project where they feature their remaining two parts. So that should be interesting, interesting. as well. Yeah, interesting. Um, I I also like Malik B's part. I didn't initially when I was younger, but that beat is kind of dope. I don't think that Malik is the best on that beat, but that beat for part two is really I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure if it should follow part one, but. Nevertheless, that beat is sick. Yeah. So, anyway, um, so now we get into uh, the next movement, and this is definitely a highlight for me. Yeah, definitely a highlight for me. This, I, this, back in the day, this probably would have been my highlight of highlights. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It might, it might even still be my highlight of highlights, just because it's just, it's just such a good song, and it's a, it's an easy song to engage with, right? Like you don't have to mm-hmm. be like into hip hop or into anything specific to appreciate and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, this is one where we have Jazzy Jeff is featured on it. He's the one doing the scratches. Yep. Um, which was interesting because the Roots, they weren't really supposed to do scratches. That's why they had Scratch, so he could do the audio scratch. Really? But, um, it, well, it's just, it, it was something like, that's the reason why they got Scratch. Yeah. So that he could do, like, he could mimic the turntable without them actually right. having to have a turntable. But but, but, um, but Jeff is Philly, and he's, you know, yeah, true. legendary Philly. True. So I, 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 it made sense to me, at least. Yeah, I remember there was a video for this, which was pretty cool. And it actually, one of Thoughts Versus got featured is like when BET used to do their, their like Lyric of the Week. Okay. Um, one of his verses got featured as the Lyric of the Week. This is one of those where like Black Thought is actually, he's actually saying a lot, but not really. Like it just doesn't, like he's got a lot of bars on here, but again, it's just, yeah. He's saying just, a lot of words. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I thought that this video was really creative. I remember it. You know, the the video, if I remember correctly, right, is the one where like they're they're playing and they, and they they open up the curtains and then you see the the band playing and then they close the curtains yeah. and then they open them again and then they're upside down yeah. and then they close yeah, them again yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're sideways. Like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was just unique and it was uh, a good way to show like, hey, we're a band, right? Because that was yeah. a, a, a unique and novel thing in hip hop at the time. It definitely was. So yeah. yeah. Was dope. All right. Uh, so now we get into step into the realm. Um, highlight, low light. Blah. That's eh, fine. Uh, you know, it's another. What the fuck are you talking about? But um, I think I think if I remember correctly, Malik B does kind of rip it a little bit. Um, yeah. I think he rips the the next song more, but uh, he has the. Um, Back to the topic of the rap philosopher. Philosopher. Uh, yeah. Something like that. But I mean, it's fine to me. Well, I don't know. What'd you think? I was kind of neutral about it. Um, this one sounds like 
it has a subject matter and it, it kind of does but not really um yeah yeah it's it's weird like i don't know i just feel i i yeah i'm not a i, I don't this is not a low light for me but i'm not the biggest fan of this song like this stretch yeah. of songs uh, the step into the realm and the spark uh these are this is kind of like a low light for me in general so, yeah, I yeah. think this reminds me. This this hook reminds me of something that me and my crew would have made in like ninth or tenth grade, like yeah. where it's like, step into the realm, you're bound to get caught from this worldly yeah. life. You'll soon depart, and then it comes on. Yo, I shoot the gift like you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, all right, bro, yeah. cool, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I would have. You know, you talk about this album being too long. This is one of the songs I think you know you probably could have turned from it. So, yeah, what do you feel right. about? Or how do you feel about the spark? So I think that this hook is the corniest, wackest shit ever. Yeah. Um, you know, it reminds me of every reason why, like, I used to hate, like, certain open mics. Um, you know, the feet that I walk with, the hair that I spit with, <laughs> the this that I, that, like, bro, Eyes what the fuck are you talking with. about? But yeah. Malik B fucking murders this song. And that's the one yeah. thing that I took away from this is like, oh shit, Malik B can rap a little bit. So yeah. those are my thoughts. How about you? It's it's interesting because I want to say it's like a low light, and I think the collection of "Step Into the Realm" with the spark together is a low light in the album for me. But um, I agree essentially with what you're saying. I think that Malik B, the verses on this are, the verses on this are 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 good, but the you know his his hook. It's kind of whack. Um, that being said, though, there's some interesting things that they do with the beats um, that I kind of have respect for. But um, yeah, eh, again, this isn't this isn't really doing it for me. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think you know I think Malik B really really ripped it, uh, and that was my takeaway. Right? He says um, mm -hmm. I didn't make highs yet, but that's my next project. I thought that was like a really high yeah. bar. And and Malik yeah. B didn't have many verses in my opinion. We didn't have many verses. Period. But. He didn't yeah. have much that impressed me, but I was impressed by him on this. And I felt like it yeah. woke me up because I was listening to it and I was really annoyed. I was annoyed with the feet that I walk with, the, yeah. the phlegm that I spit with or whatever. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is this is why I don't want to listen to this album. And then, you know, Malik B's verse comes on and he's like, it's Abu Malik. But I was like, oh snap, he can rap. Like he was going off. So. The problem is that Black Thought is not on the song at all. And I think that if you <laughs> wanted to have a song that Malik B was the, the feature on it, like he's the main performer, then at least let Black Thought do the hook. Yeah. And to have it breaking up because of the song just of, of Malik B with this kind of beat and with this kind of hook is like, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. I think it's so. the hook, man. Because to be honest with you, yeah. I would have loved to have like a Malik B like, um, like solo record where he tells mm -hmm. us a bit about himself. Like, he seems like he was an interesting cat. He had his own struggles. He had his own yeah. things that were going on in his life. And it would have been great to hear about that, to me personally. Yeah. Got yeah. you. Um, so now we get into Dynamite featuring Rahani Saeed. Yeah. And this is, I guess, my next favorite song on the album. Yeah. This um, might be this might be a lot of highlight of highlights at this point because this nah, I think that's fair because this Dilla beat is fucking incredible, bro. Like I'm listening to this shit and I'm just like, oh my god, this is so good. <laughs> Have you heard his original song that he samples? I don't think so. What is it? 
So it's from a band called Nirvana, but not the one with Kurt Cobain, right? This is the really? one from like the 60s. It was like a jazz band. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the 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 song is called um it's called Indiana. And like so he samples it and he puts his crazy drums on it, right? And uh -huh. when you read through the liner notes, it's quite fascinating. I think that um this is one of is it this one where Questlove said like these were like the proudest moments of the drums. No, that was a different one. Okay. All right, there's a different one. But nevertheless, though, um, Jay Dilla tried to make his drums in a way that like he didn't feel could be reproduced by like a live drummer. And uh, Questlove figured out how to do it. So like as he as he like put the as they actually like performed the beat live, like he was kind of like like kind of like bragging to Jay Dilla a little bit. You know, yeah. Like, just kind of like uh, roast roasting each other a little bit. But yeah, but this okay. this beat and this back and forth. I really wish it was uh, Malik B, Malik B yeah, on here because yeah, I think yeah. this would have been like one of the highlights for Malik. I think he would have killed it, but nevertheless, um, man, I still play the song at parties to be honest. Yeah. Um, because like it's like one of those unexpected songs, and it's just got like such like this groove and this yep. bounce to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's like it's like a modern James Brown song. Like it's 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 fire. Oh yeah. 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 Um. So now we get into without a doubt featuring Lady B. Highlight, low light, neutral. Neutral. Um, I, I said this is the freestyle lunch table cipher record, and that's fine. Yeah. The I'm not the biggest fan of this song, but I do still listen to it. One because it's in a run. So like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the 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 opening intro through the next movement. Like, obviously, I think that's a great like start to the album. Mm -hmm. uh, Step into the realm, the spark. That's kind of like when I go to sleep or just skip. But then we go into <laughs> dynamite. And then, like, we have, like, a good length of songs, right? And so, without a doubt, like, I don't necessarily need to skip it. But it's cool because they repurpose Schooly D's Saturday, Saturday Night. Have you ever seen the movie The King of New York? No. So, King of New York stars Christopher Walken as mm. Frank White, mm. right? So, obviously, that's where Big gets his Frank right, White right. moniker from. Um, but there's a song that's heavily featured. It's called uh, Schooly D's Saturday Night. And it's the same beat. Uh, Schooly D is from Philly, I think. Mm -hmm. But um, yep. because of that, like, I don't know. I just think that that aspect of it is kind of cool. Got you. So it's, like, a, it's a callback to, it. it's a callback to Philly history. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. dope. So that aspect of the song is cool. So yeah. now we get into Ain't Saying Nothing New, which is a highlight for me, but I get the feeling it's not one for you. I just think this song is funny because it's like, you have a song about how other people aren't saying anything yeah. new and you're yep. also not saying anything Absolutely. new. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and the other thing that I wrote down here is um, represent the legendary Fifth Dynasty crew. And, and, yeah. and that particular quote annoyed me. And the reason it annoyed me is because, you know, it's like we've never heard of the Fifth Dynasty crew and maybe they are legendary, but... Why are they legendary? Where are they legendary? How are they legendary? Like, why why do I care about them? And I, I feel like, you know, I just, I just feel like The Roots did a lot of that, just like kind of throwing things out there that I didn't really feel like they qualified and ain't saying nothing but, new felt that way. But isn't the Fifth Dynasty crew, isn't that The Roots? Okay, maybe. I don't know. And and oh, I thought it was. I always thought it was the, the roots because they were like they always called like Ill, they, the fifth represent. So they're representing like the fifth award of Philly or whatever, right? Okay, is that what it is? See, I that I always thought went, that's what it was. Went over my. You, you, it might be because oh, I, I, I they you. always would say like ill a fifth, ill fifth, 
yeah. you know, Fifth Dynamite. Touch this in the Fifth Dynamite. But, but like, yeah. okay, so they're legendary. Again, why are, are are they legendary? How are they legendary? I'm I I. It just felt like a lot of empty platitudes to me. Gotcha. Um, but I, I don't know. The, the beat was cool, though. So what would you think? Exactly. That's one of the reasons why it's still one of my highlights is because I think the beat is so cool. Yeah. Um, Especially, like, the way the song comes together. I think they were essentially, like, doing an interview. And someone asked, like, well, how do you put a song together? It's like, all right, well, this is what we do. And then they liked it, and it just kind of became a song. Dice Raw happened to be there, so uh, he was on it. So, yeah. But, and then um, they just said something it, for the hook, or...? I guess that's what it was. Yeah, y'all ain't saying nothing new. So, but again, like it was a missed opportunity because that beat is so cool. And yeah. the concept of ain't saying nothing new is really cool. But then they don't really touch on that. So, exactly. It's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Um, now we get into Double Trouble featuring Most Def. And this is absolutely uh, a highlight for me. Uh, that's for you. Fuck yeah. So, again, <laughs> again, they're not talking, they're not saying a. a God damn thing. I don't care. I don't care. The either. back and forth between Most Def and Black Thought is amazing. Right. And they sound so good yes. on this record. Yes. Like Most Def, like hearing this, I remember, I remember um I was in the car, like it was like a couple of years ago. And it actually had been maybe like five years since I had heard this album, which is too long because I usually listen to this album like, you know, like at least like once every other year or so. Right. And it's just been a while since I heard this song and like it comes on. I just had like a smile on my face the whole time. Like yeah. most of us, like just bubbly, bubbly energy on here. It's just so yeah. great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I completely yeah, agree. Oh. I completely agree. Um, this is like, you know, what was that? What was that NBA All-Star game where you had like Kobe was clearly trying to get MVP. But then there was someone on the other team. I don't remember if it was like AI or somebody else that's amazing as well. And so they're just mm -hmm. going back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. And it's just like, you know that you're witnessing history while you're watching them, you know? And, yeah. and they look like they're having a blast. You know, they're going at each other, but in a, in a friendly competition type of a way. Yeah. And that's what this track is. Like, I, it's it's actually probably it's probably my highlight of highlights, actually. I, I, I've said that already like twice, but I, yeah. I really, really like this joint. The, I mean, the energy of it, it reminds me of jam sessions that I used to have with Cal Mont, my okay. friend Carlos, right? Um, because Carlos, actually, when you hear him rap, he's kind of like, I'm not saying like lyrically, but like flow-wise and voice, he's kind of like a combination of like most deaf and Q-tip. So okay. he just kind of has that energy. Um, but one of the other things, too, is that I think Talib Kweli was originally supposed to have vocals on here. And yeah, they just cut him because it was too long. And that was a very good choice. <laughs> That was a very well, good choice. I think though that I read that actually that like Talib actually ripped it and and I think they just I think the reason they removed it was that maybe the song was too long and at the time Talib was was an unknown artist. Yeah. I think they were like, yeah, like most like we know you want to put your man on or whatever, but I think that's what they said, something like that. Well, look, they can say he ripped it all you all you want to, but it's like one of those things like what, what's that expression? If a tree falls down <laughs> in, in the, the forest, forest and no one's there, that, does, does it, it really make a sound? Happen? Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's what matter. that's what that is. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I actually hear it. The <laughs> Talib probably ripped it. You know, um, but this is 
this is the beat where I think uh, this is Quest's proudest moments uh, with the, on the album with the drums. I forgot why, but this is like he just loves the drums that he did on here. That's what's up. Um, and the the other thing too is I just have to say that like James Poiser, I think this is like one of his beats. Yeah. And like yeah, he's just absolutely killing it with this. Yeah, so, he marks it for yeah. sure. So now we get into Act Two, the love of my life featuring Common, and I take it this is this is the low light for you. It's not a low light. It's just blah. Okay. Like, I feel like it's a corny concept that we've heard before with I Used to Love Her. And it's like, yeah. for me personally, I like Common. So, I, especially in this mm -hmm. time frame. And so it's like, it just feels like a wasted Common verse. Like, I feel like, don't make Common do I Used to Love Her part 17. Just get, like, give him a verse on a song that I actually care about. That's how I felt. That's probably true. Beat was good, though. Yeah, and, well, and we already talked about how I feel like I don't know, Common was just into this whole idea of like women being exploited. And I'm gonna, you know, tangentially relate yeah, that to hip hop. Yeah. But um, but for me though, this is still a highlight. Uh, James Poiser is heavily involved. I like how the song came together. It was supposed to just be an interlude, but they loved the beat so much, and like the the background vocals, like that woman making that sound. You know who that is, right? No. So that's a Marie. I can never say her name correctly. It's like Marie Dolnay. You, you, are you familiar with that, Mama? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That like the main the main person responsible for Vizat Mama, who okay. is incredible. If you if you ever seen her in concert, she's absolutely amazing. All like uh, the different random things that she does, she is incredible. Like in okay. a year where I saw Femi Kuti and Raphael Sadiq twice, mm -hmm. Zat Mama and like the black cat with like not very many people in the audience was like the best show I'd ever seen that oh, year. Wow. Like it was it was amazing. Wow. She is she's crazy. But she's the one who's putting like those those background vocals for the song together. Oh. And I think that with like the string arrangements, like a good string arrangement, I think like the sound bed of this song is really, really cool. Yeah. Do they rip it? I don't know. Conceptually, I like it. I don't think that I Used to Love Her has to be the only song that could do that. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like if Common had a better verse on here, I would love it even more. But mm -hmm. I, I like the song a lot. So you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna catch any I, I'm not gonna catch any shots from Panama for dissing this track. I think the whole concept of like hip hop, you the love of my life. Like, shut the fuck up, nigga. Get a girlfriend. Wow. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it just, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> That's tough. That's, That's just tough. me. Yeah. All right. Well, now we get into 100% uh, Dundee, and um, yeah, this is a uh, this is a highlight for me. Yeah, it's a highlight. Um, I think that this is probably Malik B. He is good on the spark, but again, the hook is bad. But like on yeah. this, it's just like he's just on the like, I don't know. I, I feel like he rips it. Rozelle rips it, doing the yeah. bass and the yep. drums at the same time. Um, I think that like Black Thought sounds really good on here as well. And yeah, this is just a dope song. Yeah, so. I think I was a lot more excited about Rozelle beatboxing on the track back in the day, but I think I was probably just more <laughs> excited about beatboxing back in the day. But this is That's definitely good. one of the better songs. Um, and these are some of uh, uh, Black Thought's best bars, in my opinion. I like the um, yeah. bayonet cassettes and chop beats with that beats part with of his joint. Yeah. yeah, so I, yeah. I thought they both ripped it. Uh, it's just, this is one of the better songs. Okay. Uh, Deidre versus Dice Raw. It's an interlude, but I, it's still a highlight for me. What do you think? Uh, no? I, I have to remember do. this. What was this? This is when it's uh, Deidre, she's the cellist. 
So she's just playing the cello okay. and like dice raw is just like kind of freestyling or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. Essentially, yeah, what this was like like a really, really long jam session, and then they just cut the snippet and put it on the album. I have a soft okay. spot for the cello. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I just think it's I just think it's a really, really cool instrument. Um, mm-hmm. and so the fact that she's like the fact that you have a, an instrument that can do those low notes, but then do those high notes both very, very well and effectively. I just have a soft spot for it. So it's still yeah. a highlight for me. It's a really quick interlude, you know, is cool. what it is. Um, so now we get into adrenaline. And uh, is this a highlight for you? It is. This was one of my yeah. favorite songs even back then. Um, it's the early Seagull verse. I love mm-hmm. Seagull. I've always loved Seagull. Um, and I I, I love, um, I used to cop off my man and I'm supplying him. Some, some, yeah. some, 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 some Iverson. Like he just, yeah. I, I love how he like, he extended that. He just kept doing that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I love this joint. How about you? Yeah. I'm trying to think if it's a, it's, I'm definitely not neutral about it. I'm, de- I'm favorable, I'm favorable about it. It's not one of my like highest highlights, but it okay. is generally a highlight for me. Um, yeah. I, I love Beanie Siegel on here, Dice Raw. I, I think it has too many verses. Like, I'm not sure if I need Dice Raw on here. Yeah, that's um, And is that's Malik fair. B on here as well? Maybe. Is, is I don't Malik, know. There's is, four verses, right? Yeah, so I think Malik is on Three here. Verses? I'm not sure if I need too many folks. Um, but, right. uh, you know, Scott Storch is, do, is doing the keys on here, which is great. You got Scratch doing the scratches. Yeah. And I think that one of the things I love about having Beanie on here is that when Questlove talks about him, yes, he has gone to Rockefeller at this point, but it's not clear that Beanie Siegel will become like Beanie Siegel. Right, exactly. And so to hear like so many names, like, um, you know, Jill Scott's being mentioned, Eve is being mentioned, yeah, Beanie yeah, Siegel's yeah. being mentioned, and Questlove doesn't know that they're going to be like stars. Right, like, right, it's, right, it's really right. kind of right. cool. I love that about, yeah. about Questlove's story, you know, like, yeah. He's almost like the nucleus of this Philly world and, you know, how he, like these folks kind of come in and come out out of his story and create their own stories. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. So then we have uh, Third Acts, which is Scratch versus um, Quest, yes. I guess. Are you familiar yeah. with this one? Yeah. I, I, so I think at the time I thought it was Rozelle. Um, I wish it was Rozel because I think Rozel's a better scratcher than Scratch. Yeah, in my opinion. But, but it was just fine. Yeah, yeah it's fine. I kind of feel the same. Yeah. So now we get into uh, "You Got Me" featuring Erica Badu and Eve, and a shout out to Jill Scott because she wrote the hook. Yeah. But um, is this a highlight for you? It's a highlight. Um, there's not too too much to say that hasn't been said already because I feel like they've done a whole podcast about this. But um, yeah. the only thing is, I I, I low key kind of wish the Jill Scott version was on here, but um. I feel that. Um, I do like that they both performed at Dave Chappelle's Black Party. Yeah, um, that's, that's really cool to me. I think that Jill Scott's hook writing is a highlight for me. I think you know the keys from Scott Storch are a highlight. Mm-hmm. Introducing Eve, if she's yes. not introduced here, is this her first verse? It's not her first verse, but like at the time she, so she had gotten a deal with with Dr. Dre, and the and it fizzles out. She comes back home to Philly and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with her career. But she's not yeah. Eve Eve yet. No, she hasn't even yet, done no. the, the Rough Riders thing yet, I don't know. Yeah. So she was like a, yeah. a fairly unknown um, artist at the time. Yeah. Her appearance on here is crazy. I think Badu's appearance on here is crazy. Yeah. Um, funny thing is, Black Thought is actually like the worst part about this song. You think so? <laughs> he, he's just... All the other... He's not bad. He's just yeah. like 
every other aspect of the song I think is great. Yeah. Um, the video of the fine. song is really cool too. Um, I, do you remember the video for this? Uh-uh. What happened? So the video for it, it doesn't really have much to do about the song, but it's still really, really cool. So Black Thought is like walking through the streets and everybody on the ground is like everybody else around. Like they're just on the ground, like laying there. Okay. Right? And he's walking along and he's seeing all these people and he sees his girl is on the ground. And so he goes and then like he he goes to Spooner, like he goes to cuddle her, cuddle her. Mm-hmm. and then it flashes. And then everybody else is like alive and awake and she's on the ground like screaming because her man has just been shot. You know, uh, and and he's the one who got shot. You don't remember this video? Nah, that sounds crazy. Oh, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really really cool. That sounds crazy. Um, and the other thing too is I love at the end when like it gets into this like drum and bass. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really 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 cool. Yeah. Uh, Quest talked about how when they lived above the fish and chip shop in in the UK, um, they he, they got really into you know drum and bass. Because um, that that was kind of the music that was popular over there at the time, and he wanted to find a way to incorporate it into what they were doing. And he talked about how like, like everybody told him not to do that, and so like mm-hmm. he damn near had to sneak that part on the album because like they like the label like wanted it off. They thought he was crazy, and he was like, no, like we're gonna do this. So I think that's yeah. a, that's a dope and bold move on his part. Gotcha. Um, so now we get into uh, Don't See Us featuring D- Dice Raw. How do you feel about this? I could have done without the song. It's fine. I, I, I feel like that's fair, yeah. but it's a highlight for me okay. because we used to do this, right? Like I had friends who were like musicians and like occasionally I was able to go and just like jam with them. Mm-hmm. We just pe- put a beat together and then we just start freestyling. Mm-hmm. Or just start rapping. Carlos was involved a couple times. A couple times I even got on the bass and they're like, yo, just play like a couple of like notes and just like jam. Like you got rhythm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do much. And it just kind of gave me that vibe. Like it reminds me of that. Yeah. So it's not a great song, but it's just a personal highlight for me gotcha. just because I love the energy from it. Gotcha. So James Poyser is on here again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have a return of Return to Innocence Lost featuring Ursula Rucker. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this? <sighs> mixed. Um, I feel like right, go ahead. I feel like in the same way that I felt about the intro, I felt that the outro was once again this deep story that was way deeper than anything that happened in the body of the album, mm-hmm. and that was disappointing to me. So it was it was you. cool. It was nice. I don't. I also don't know that I understood the tie of Ursula Rucker to the the group. Like, like why? Like why would she work with them? I forget. I, I is she from Philly? I don't know. That's why I, I guess what I'm kind of asking. I think she is. They have a long history. So for the, their first like four albums, maybe even five, I'm not sure she's on phonology. Okay. But like for their first four projects, she was always contributing to the outro of the album with the poem. Got it. Okay. Right. So this is not the first time she's done. Got this. it. Okay. Four times she's done okay. this. Um, this is a song that was uncomfortable for me to hear back in the yeah. day. So I used to like kind of skip it. Yeah, now same, I'm more actually. mature, I'm more grown, so I can get into it. Mm-hmm. Actually, musically, this song is quite fascinating. Okay. Um, so retroactively, I'm not going to say it's a highlight, but retroactively, it's certainly a song I have a great deal of respect for mm-hmm. versus back in the day, I used to just like skip it every chance I had. She so, is from Philly. I just looked it up. Yeah, Got so it. That's, okay. their, that's their connection. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have Act 4, uh, the end. This is the hidden track. How do you feel about this? Oh, I don't even know that I heard this record. I I, I didn't. Have so, it. this song is one of my highlights. 
It's one of my highlight of highlights. It's, it's just, I love the song so much. Again, Black Thought's not really talking about anything, mm. but like the energy of the song and like the beat and like the abstractness of it, for it to just, I don't know. It's, it's just Black Thought just spitting. Again, not talking about much, but I don't know. I just happen to really like this song. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, I don't know what are uh, what are our, our closing thoughts about it. Um, so can I make it a classic? <laughs> oh yes, please. You know what? Actually, at the start of this episode, I was thinking, hey, I should I should have afforded you the opportunity to do that because I think on our recent tribute, I think I did that. Still I did Matic. that with Stillmatic, yeah. right? Yeah. So why don't you why don't you do that? Why don't you make this a classic? All right. So I got I got just a few tweaks that I would make uh, to try to make this a classic in my mind because no diss to it but it's not my favorite album um first uh you know i kind of talked about the two ways of kind of setting the stage for characters right either set in in reality or set in a fantastic world um i feel like i would set this album in philly Um, i would as well yeah um i would have a song like where i'm from by jay-z where the roots actually tell us what it's like in philly like, you know, let us know that either it ain't all cheesesteaks in this motherfucker or, you know, um, you know, I mean, even if in West Philadelphia, born, like, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> wherever your Philly is, like, tell me a little bit about how things are where you live. That would be interesting to me. Um, I would leverage a little bit more of their Soulquarian network. I feel like they did that decently. But maybe give me, you know, give me some Bilal, give me, you know, a little D'Angelo, a little Jill Scott, you know, maybe even music, even though I know he's not technically a Soulquarian. No, we we don't need music on that. Even though he might want to want to be one. (laughs) That's a funny story. Um, But yeah, I would I would, uh, you know, I would leverage them um, because a lot of this feels like like a jam session or gigging. and, And, you know, clearly those folks are a part of that gigging world that that Questlove created. Yeah. Um next I would I would create some specific topics that don't include whack MCs. And I mm-hmm. would say you have to write about this, you know, uh, let's talk about things that are real life things and you provide your lens as to how, you know, those things matter to you or whatever. And I you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to you know give what those topics would be but i'm just saying like you know let's no talk about I, I i hear you yeah i hear you um next uh i would have a solo black thought record where he actually tells us about himself and you know i think that um you got me what was a pretty good record of, of black thought telling us about him in relationships so i wouldn't necessarily make it another relationship record but something else that tells us about who black thought is um i feel like when i hear Questlove talk about black thought um, in terms of how, how they were growing up on the podcast, I feel like I'm hearing about someone I've never heard before. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about uh, Black Thought as this, like, kind of cool, charismatic guy, used to get all the girls, knew everybody, you know, could, could was cool with the thugs, but also cool with the nerds, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, like that's how he describes him. I can, I can totally see but, that. Have you ever met him? No. Is, is I've, like I've met him briefly. Uh, yeah, I got that vibe as well. Yeah, it's interesting though, because like, and and another thing that Questlove says about about um, Black Thought is that he's very very stylish. He says that Black Black Thought yeah. wears like only like like the the top of the top purple label most expensive designer shit. He said he was on designer shit before any other rapper was on designer shit. 
and and I don't necessarily need him to rap about designer labels or anything like that. But if those things are the things that people that know you describe you as, like, I just give me a song where you tell me anything about yourself so that I feel like I know a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would also have a solo uh, Malik B record. Um, and in my mind, I visualize this as something similar to like an 8 Million Stories by Fife. Like, I, I, li- okay. I like how, you know. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, I like how Fife was like, yo, you know, went to Carvel to get a milkshake. You know, like he's he's telling you about all these things, but the, the, the references that he's giving you in his story, even though it's a super dramatic story, is like, oh, okay, like, you know, St- Starks got ejected. You know what I mean? Like the things that, that mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what you care about in your story. Um, so I would have a quick groove style instrumental somewhere. Uh, and, and you, it sounds like, you know, you kind of give, um, the, uh, the cellist record a yeah. little bit of that, but like, give me one where like, like it's just, it's just jamming with no, no, you know, rhymes on it. You can even, if you want, you know, you want to have like D'Angelo on the vocals, just in a muted way, like just to kind of give it some words. Mm-hmm. Cool. But like. Give me one record where it's not lyrical, miracle, spiritual, but like we, we let it <laughs> breathe a little bit. Um, and then I would include uh, Joe Scott's version of You Got Me as a bonus cut. Um, yeah, and then I would sell a single with both versions with alternating covers. So, you know, Ooh. similar to how they did with their with their covers, because I think that the, their covers yeah. is really unique. It'd be cool if like, there was a cover, like a some sort of conceptual cover with Jill Scott on it and some sort of a conceptual cover with Erica Badu on it. And then people could buy the single, but depending on, you know, who they're more aligned with or what cover they like better, they can buy either single. I think that would be like a good promotional thing. So those are my That's changes. I, I feel you. I agree with a lot of them. Um, partic- for me, the biggest one is just the subject matter. Yeah. Right? You need to have... I'm not saying you can't have songs like Dynamite and Next Movement and Double Trouble because I think they, they're really, really good songs yeah. and they, they add to it. But there were so many opportunities where you could have had things really aligned with Things Fall Apart. And not necessarily the album covers, right? Because you could argue that the album covers are a result of things falling right. apart. I would more go towards right. I, what's the name? Uh, uh, Chinua, um, Chinua Achebe. Uh, Achebe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chinua Achebe, right? I would more go towards that the album, uh, the the theme of that book. Yeah, where I it's agree. like, how did we get undone from from within right, right. to allow to be susceptible from you know the external forces that are ripping us apart? Right. And if you know they kind of do that with hip hop, so it's like okay, if mm-hmm. it's going to be about like black people and the relationship with hip-hop and how we came undone mm. give me more of that mm-hmm. but they don't really like you I you kind of have like some bars but like yeah. structurally nah I give agree. me something more concrete yeah i totally you know? agree and i think you know you make a good point that title first of all is an excellent title and it's yes. a great reference to a book and it's a great reference to where the roots see themselves in terms of how hip-hop moves right and their name is the roots right um, but right. but I think that intro does a better job of aligning to what yes. things fall apart is about than anything else on the body of the album. So yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So 
All right. Well, I think that should wrap it up for our tribute slash make it a classic for <laughs> Things Fall Apart, which is an album that I love. Yeah. And I wanted to cover this, I think, back in like 2019, but okay. we never got around to it, yeah, for, yeah. you know, for the 20 year. But, um, you know, there's still some other Roots projects uh, I would like to do. I think that, I think maybe a put you up for Do You Want More hmm. would be really interesting. Have you, uh, how familiar are you with Do You Want More? I haven't listened to it since high school. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, that was one of the ones. I had that in my rotation a lot. Okay. So, yeah, very fond of that album. But maybe even like a Make It A Classic for a phrenology. Mm. And I think that Nate said that that's his favorite Roots album. Okay. Um, we could even do like a tribute for Rising Down. Yeah. And, you know, for me, Tipping Point is an album that I think is rife for like a Make It A yeah. Classic. Because there's so much potential yeah. and missed opportunities in that album. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I'm not saying we have to cover all or any of these projects, but... This is, you know, we've been doing the, the podcast for, what, six years now? Yeah. And this is the five, six years? Yeah. It's the first time we're actually talking about a dedicated Roots project. Yeah. Or dedicated an episode to the Roots. It's far too long. So, anyway. Yeah, that's real. I, they they got, they caught shots in a, in a salute me or shoot me early on. But other than that, we haven't they talked did. about them a lot. Yeah, so. All right. All right, yo. Um, well, yeah, that's uh, that should wrap it up. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Peace. Peace.